What's up, everyone? Uh, today in Titletown is back. Uh, we are recapping the Week 10 victory against the Jaguars, and we'll be previewing uh, this matchup with the Colts coming up this Sunday. Uh, I'm here with my co-host, Griff. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Coming off another Packers win, seventh of the season. Felt a little 2019-ish, a little ugly win, but a win is a win in my book. How you doing, bro? Yeah, I'm doing good, and you're kind of right about that. I felt like uh, it really did feel like a, a 2019 Packers defense kind of game where uh, maybe the offense struggled at times a little bit, and the defense got some timely turnovers, uh, some big plays, uh, some key stops that really kind of won us the game. Uh, so, Griffin, tell me your initial thoughts of, of how the game went um, and, and what your thoughts were on how both sides of the ball played. Well, I think this game was a lot like the uh, like both of their losses this season, the Buccaneers game and the Vikings game, where just a lot of really bad things happen. That I mean, I mean, this is the third time we've had a game like that, so I can't keep saying it's unsustainable and it won't happen again. But it does feel like like Rogers threw a horrible interception, like one of the worst interceptions he's thrown in the past three or four seasons. Uh, you can't count on that to happen again. Uh, Devonte Adams fumbles. When's the last time Devonte Adams fumbled? You know, uh, these are things that. I just don't see continuing to be problems. So there were a lot of flashes of excellence in this offense. More some of the things that we've been seeing uh, them execute this season, like the the deep the seventy eight yard touchdown to MVS that was nice. So this really felt like one of the games where it really wasn't as bad as it looked, but it was not pretty to watch. That's for sure. Yeah, it wasn't uh, one is it wasn't one of the more fun games to watch. Obviously. A couple injuries, Devontae Adams, uh, him getting a possible injury again was obviously not exciting to watch either, uh, but he did end up coming back in the game, made made one huge play for us, that uh, that touchdown corner of the end zone, Rodgers lofted a ball, uh, Adams was able to jump off that ankle uh, and grab it and land it down pretty hard, but he was good and ended up playing the rest of the game, and that was crucial to what we were able to do to win the game, obviously. And uh, there was another play that got called back uh, before halftime. Uh, Packers had to settle for three as opposed to getting a touchdown. Uh, that would have been a really gorgeous play. Adams made a great catch. Rodgers laced it right past the defender's head. Um, but I, I thought overall Devontae played maybe, you know, probably his worst game of the year. But, you know, that's that's saying a lot considering he caught a touchdown uh, and still had a pretty decent game. He had a couple drops here and there, but. Overall, I felt like he played a, a fine enough game. Obviously, we came out with the win, and he contributed to that, but the fumble was an issue. But I just, like you said, those things that really don't happen much, the uh, the Rodgers interception was very uncharacteristic. Uh, obviously, the, the Devontae fumble um, and the drops, those things don't happen. So when you're getting those mistakes from your top playmakers and you still come out with a win, you have to feel pretty good, especially with the way I, th I thought the offense was playing pretty well, um, apart from those those few mistakes. So I feel pretty good, even though we, we didn't come out with a, a large blowout like we might have thought. Yeah, just going back to that that touchdown, like a callback for holding before halftime. If that was completed, final score, consider everything stays the same, final score would be 28-20. to 20. Rodgers finishes with three touchdowns, four total. Adams has two touchdowns. You know, it it's an eight point game rather than a four point game. You know, it still wouldn't be the prettiest thing in the world. And they would still have uh, the issues outside of that. But I think we would all be feeling a lot better about it. And I really don't think this was the end of the world type game, but you know, going back to last year, we played down to our opponents a lot of the time and coming out of those games, I really did feel like 
you know, this offense, it's just it's just not that good. And the defense is good because they're playing horrible teams. That's not how I feel after this game. No, you're right about that. I feel like I felt pretty good coming out of that game because I knew that we we looked good at times. And just like those few things that happened just kind of changed the game. And that happens. I felt like that happened against Tampa Bay. Um, and if we ended up winning that game against Tampa Bay where Rodgers threw two picks back-to-back, like I would have felt good because – not only is Tampa Bay a great team, but I felt like we showed a lot of things in that Tampa Bay game, uh, and that's a great team. So in this game, similarly, we came out with a win, which obviously makes you feel a lot better. Um, but, you know, you saw the flashes of what we are, and then you look forward to the possibility of getting Alan Lazard back, um, and then just looking to get a, a full offense out there, our full group on both sides of the ball. You look at that, and and then you go, okay. Well, once we're back to full strength here, um, we don't make those uncharacteristic mistakes. You're looking at where you could go and say, "I'm confident in this offense," and after the defensive performance that we saw, I'm pretty confident in this defense as well to give us enough to win games deep into the playoffs. Yeah, you're right. You're right about that. The only. Uh... The only real worry I have about this team coming out of that game is this did feel like both of our two losses this season where just our best players aren't playing at their best and uh, there were a lot of mistakes all around that we were just shooting ourselves in, in our feet, if you will. But uh, the difference was they have the Jags were playing Jake Luton, that quarterback, rather than uh, there was no Dalvin Cook and it wasn't Tom Brady in that prolific Bucks offense. So it feels like if we performed like this against I don't, any other team other than the Jets maybe it maybe it could have been a loss and that this game never really felt close even though the final score would say differently but I think it would have been a lot more of a nail-biter had we been playing a different team and so really the only worry is that okay we're at three games now where the offense is struggling only by their own doing so I, I don't know what do you what do you think about that Bron? yeah you're right you're right because well, I'd rather, I'd definitely rather us beat ourselves up uh, than another team coming in and really beating us. And I feel like that's what we've done. And that makes me feel good about the way that we can correct our own mistakes. Uh, I think that starts with Aaron Rodgers. When he is on, it, it's a lot harder for any team to beat us. And, you know, when he doesn't make mistakes is the key thing. Uh, the interceptions, that's what separates great teams from good teams is, is turning the ball over. And this year we're one of the elite teams at not doing that. Then you have this rare occurrence, uh, you know, on Sunday against the Jaguars where you do turn the ball over and the defense, you know, kind of makes up for that by getting some turnovers of their own, uh, and playing better. And that's without, like I said, that's without Jair Alexander and Kevin King, and you feel pretty good about that because you're able to get the job done missing two of your best players on defense, missing Alan Lazard, um, and guys are stepping up, playing well enough, uh, and, and that's, what I, that's what makes me feel okay about it because I feel like with the guys coming back and just doing what we have to do to correct those things, Aaron Rodgers playing better, Devontae playing better, which we expect, I feel like that puts us in a good spot. Yeah, I'd agree with that for the most part. Getting these players back is really the exciting thing coming out of this game. You know, Alan Lazard coming back most likely this week, that that is huge, you know? That is huge to think about 
this guy who was playing at out of his mind the first three weeks, granted against not the best defenses, well, the Saints maybe, but uh, he was playing really, really well, gets the freak injury, and he's out for a month. And getting him back is, I think it's going to be huge for the offense in general because Aaron, we talk about this all the time, he doesn't have receivers that he really trusts, and trust is a big thing with Rodgers, obviously, more than most quarterbacks in the NFL. And getting a guy back that he definitely trust Lazard is definitely a guy that he really likes I think that is only going to mean good things for this offense and uh maybe we get the ground going ground game going a little bit more than it was against the Jaguars and uh we could be looking just like we did the the first four weeks of the season yeah like you talked about the ground game I thought it was a bit stifled this week Aaron Jones really never seemed to get anything going Jamal had a nice run you know Aaron Jones did have a one nice run towards the end of the game uh, but we never really consistently got the run going. And that becomes a problem when we see things like Matt LaFleur calling uh, a run on second and 10 uh, continuously throughout the game <laughs> at, at a near 50% rate. Uh, I think it's at a 45% clip that he's called a, a run uh, on second and 10. And it's hard to, it, it's hard to, it's hard to do that when that's a tendency that teams see and notice and take into account. Um, especially after, after an incomplete pass is probably when we do that more than anything. Um, that's, you know, that's tough for me to, to figure out whether we should really change anything on that or, or what to do in regards to something different. Uh, but I do think it's a problem and teams are starting to uh, catch what we're doing before we make that snap. Um, we're becoming a bit predictable at times, especially tendency wise. Uh, and I think things have to change and that starts with Matt LaFleur. The second and 10 runs, dude, we've been complaining about this literally all season just because fundamentally running on second and 10 is a horrible idea just in general. And now we're at the point where it's a tendency. Teams know we're going to do it, which makes it even worse. And we're still continuing to do it at the same rate. I I, I have no explanation for that. I, I don't know why Matt LaFleur loves it so much. Yeah, I don't know either. I think it's just his his idea of it is... Maybe the maybe teams wouldn't expect on a long distance second down uh, for there to be a run. I think that has something to do with it. Um, but yeah, like it's it's gotten to a point where he's doing it so often that it's becoming expected, and that's the problem in my eyes. Uh, I I just don't see where that really helps us, especially when defenses have a stacked box or you know teams are really prepared for it. Um, you know, Matt LaFleur talked today about sometimes th- that call is advantageous against maybe a lighter box, but we've seen it against, uh, you know, some some larger man fronts uh, that have put us in tough positions, obviously, on third down. And that's the last thing you want. It's There's a there's a difference between trying to get some yardage to make it a manageable third down and trying to get a first down. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are two different mentalities in my eyes, and we're trying to get the first down. Not that you should never run the ball, but there's a time and a place to do it. And when you have the best quarterback in football playing at an MVP level, you're probably going to lean towards the side of trying to throw the ball to, to get a manageable first down or to get the first down. Running the ball is kind of admitting defeat on second down and, and trying to just hope and pray that you get a third down uh, pass at the point where then they, then they know you're going to pass it and everything just becomes predictable at that point. Yeah, and I, I wish I had data on how many third downs we played this season because it feels like every series we have to play all three downs. It's We don't have to get to third down. 
Matt LaFleur, and you know that, right? We don't have to. We can get a first down on second and 10, or a second down, I mean. Uh, but anyways, my biggest my biggest gripe, I'd say, with Matt LaFleur is his just the run game in general, when he chooses to run the ball, and how often he chooses to run the ball, because it's it hasn't been successful this season. We, we have not been a great rushing team minus the first two weeks of the season. You know, I, I, I get it. I get he's, you know, I want balance on the offense. You know, that's great when you're running the ball like the 2019 San Francisco 49ers. That's great when you can do that, but we can't do that. So I don't know why he's, he's lo- he loves running the ball so much just in general, general, especially on second and 10 or first and 10, because I get it. You want to set up the third and manageable, but it's it it hardly ever happens for the Packers. You're right about that, but I, I think the one thing that even more suggests that you should lean towards passing on a second and ten uh, is the fact that we've got a guy like Aaron Jones who, yes, he can run the ball at a, at a very elite level, but he's also such a threat to catch the ball out of the backfield. Yes. If you want, if you want to play something short, if you want to lean towards a, a potential third and short or a third and manageable, Get it, get it in the running back's hands in a variety of different ways, as opposed to running up the middle every second mm-hmm. and ten. That's my thoughts flat. on it. Exactly, hit you know, send him out even out wide, and then get him a screen. Get just get the ball in his hands and let him make some moves. He he's obviously one of the most elusive players in football. Uh, we saw that even when he returned from injury, uh, just a, just a couple weeks ago. We saw how he how elusive he looks. So, and that was against the 49ers defense that's supposed to be one of the best tackling defenses in football. They've got great guys over there that, that play at an elite level tackling-wise in the middle. Uh, so when you've got a guy like Aaron Jones, you use him in a different way as opposed to just making him just a body out there, basically, by running up the middle. Because then you don't put his skill set to use. Mm-hmm. Just Just shoving him up the gut doesn't really, that doesn't put his best skills to use, and that's what we need to do. Uh, in order to make those third and manageables actually manageable. Yeah, that was very well said. I think Aaron Jones is definitely a weapon on this offense. He's one of the three weapons we we have, but he doesn't only have to be used between the tackles. I feel like there's just unrealized potential there with Aaron Jones. I feel like, you know, we do use him in the pass game pretty often, but I think, uh, I think we could do it more often. We all know that his success really comes, especially in the running game, uh, definitely more towards the outside. I, I think he has a lot of success on pitch plays, um, just outside runs in general. Obviously, he's a slasher in the middle as well, but uh, where we can really put his skill to use is, is when he's got more room to run uh, and just kind of just shift his own body and speed into different directions, evading tacklers. And, and that obviously makes more room for, for yardage gain as well. Uh, so just it's just about using your guys and using the, the talent that they have, sometimes adjusting scheme or adjusting play call to what you've got out there. And I think um, Aaron Jones is a case where you can do a lot of things with him, uh, but you also want to make sure you're doing the right thing, specifically um, when it's a second and 10 or, or a situation where you've got to get to a certain point to, to get a third down that you can make or try to get a first down. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's talk a little bit about one Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who two weeks ago, I believe I said I was close to done with. Well, I'm inching further away from being close to done with MBS because he's been uh, he's been pretty good the past two weeks. He has, and the thing about him is that he's starting to gain confidence. He's starting to stack success. Um, like you said last but, week. 
Exactly, and and that's what he's done so far, and he has to continue doing that. Uh, it and it, I think if Alan Lazard does return here uh, this coming week, I think that he's going to have an even better chance because less focus on him uh, and and more of a chance. All he needs to do is, like we see from him and like I've said in, in episodes past, his success comes not by catching the ball 10 times a game. His success comes by getting one or two plays a game that obviously with his game-breaking speed uh, just change the pace of the entire football game. Uh, and that's where he racks up the yards. It's just one or two plays that he has to have success. He can drop a pass. We saw it two weeks ago. He dropped a third down pass. Rodgers gave him a look, and then he comes back, and two touchdowns later, he's one of the players of the game for the Packers. Now, this week, he looks even better, doesn't drop a pass, catches four of six targets, 149 yards, has a huge 78-yard touchdown bomb, uh where he just runs up the field past three different defenders, including a referee. And now he's in the <laughs> position where he's got a great chance to do similar things uh, against the Colts defense that, you know, its strength is in its corners, but they don't really have that elite speed uh, that MVS has. And the safety duo there is great as well, but I, I do think he's got another good chance to, to be an impact performer for the Packers uh, in a tough matchup with a tough defense. Yeah, and you know, as as we've said, MVS, you said that great. He's not going to be the guy who's catching ten balls a game, but the, he's a role player, and you need role players on an NFL team. You need a guy who's just used to you know, not even catch a long deep ball in a game, but maybe just you know have something to scare the defense at all. Just the threat of it is enough. So having him being able to you know bring in these long touchdowns is just huge, and then getting Alan Lazard back, who can get his between the uh, you know ten to twenty yard targets that MVS has been getting, and then using MVS as the as the deep target, that's going to be huge for him and the Packers offense. Yeah, obviously when you've got all your guys in there, it's going to change things. I think we saw what the what the offense at full strength could do. Uh, against the Vikings. I think it was pretty clear that that was our best offensive performance of the season. Uh, obviously scoring 42 points in that game. Uh, that that was very exciting, especially you know coming out the gate um, in the second year of the offense. Everybody's healthy. Everybody is fresh. Rodgers had his best game of the year that game, and I'd like to see that again, and we haven't seen it as much because of the injuries that have occurred, whether it's to Devontae, Alan Lazard, guys on the offensive line with David Bakhtiari. Now all those guys are back in the fold, and we've got a chance against a great team. I have to say this again. We're facing a tough team here. They've got a competent quarterback. They've got a great offensive line. They've got you know they've got weapons in the receiving core. They've got three solid running backs that can run the football. Their defense has players in the middle. They've got players in the back end, and they've got guys up front, including DeForest Buckner, who they traded for this offseason. They improved last. They improved this offseason, and they look as good as ever. Uh, they're beating up on good teams, and this is a chance for the Packers to really show what they can be. And this is a great measuring stick test uh, for who they are as an offense and a team overall. Yeah, this game's really going to be tough for the Packers. It's going to be tough to get out of there with the W. But uh, seeing what this Colts have done this season, they haven't been prolific on offense. They haven't been excellent, but. Like you said, they have beaten some very good teams, and uh, their defense is really nothing, nothing to uh, 
nothing to shrug off. They've been playing very well, and like you said, they're uh, their their D-line is very, very strong with DeForest Buckner and Justin Houston. They've got a great pass rush. We saw them beat up on the Titans last Thursday night. So it's going to be tough to get out of here with a W. And this Colts defense really is a very physical team, if you had to define a physical defense. Uh, it's the Colts defense. And, you know, the narrative the past two seasons has been the Packers are good, but they're soft. They can't They can't play with the big dogs. They can't you know, get punched in the mouth. So this is going to be another great test for the Packers offense. I'm glad that you mentioned that soft aspect of, of what not only, you know, outsiders think that we might be, uh, but what it might look like this season so far. And I think that starts with the fact that in two games where the weather was a factor, we haven't really shown up and, and done what we needed to do, which is we're supposed to take advantage of the weather. We're supposed to take advantage of the cold, the wet, the windy. That's supposed to be where we thrive as, a, as the Packers. It's been that way for years, the frozen tundra. But the way it's been is the fact that, and Aaron Rodgers even said this, which was a little bit surprising to me. He said, you know, the weather at times can even things up uh, between two teams. And, and that could be true at times, but for me, if you're the Green Bay Packers, you you need to take advantage of that. You need to get an even bigger advantage uh, than you maybe would have when the weather goes bad. That's what the Packers have been for years. That's who that's who they've been. That's who they are, and that's who we're supposed to be. Uh, but it just hasn't been that way. And you know, at times last week, it looked good. We saw, you know, I think it had to do with the wind because the wind would be blowing in the opposite direction in the first quarter. We struggled, and then the second quarter, first play, uh, first play with us having the ball, the wind is in our favor, and we connect on that 78-yard bomb touchdown. So I'm not sure what the deal is. We need to we need to embrace the weather. We need to get back to the team that the Green Bay Packers are supposed to be. Um, and if if we want to really have that home field advantage, if we want to get that number one seed. Uh, Green Bay has to embrace those elements and and otherwise we're not going to have any actual home field advantage if we can't play in the weather like that. Yeah, I think I think generally a weather game does even the two teams playing like we saw on Sunday night are the Patriots really better than the Ravens? Probably not, but uh weather does, you know, play a big factor. But in that same- game, you'd think the Ravens would gain a bigger advantage because of their propensity to run the ball and, and the quarterback r- that runs the ball too, but it just didn't. Obviously, they get behind and then they have to start throwing and that became the deciding factor. Uh, but both those teams run the ball at a much higher rate than they do passing. Uh, so that game was interesting because of obviously the high level of rain. Uh, but I thought the Ravens would be able to navigate that, but they just couldn't. Yeah, but... uh at the same time, I don't think these conditions, you know, against the Vikings and the Jaguars were really frozen tundra Lambeau field conditions. It's really just wind and rain, which I, I think that evens the evens the two teams up more than a freezing cold snowy game would. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, we're going to play better in the snow and, you know, when it's not 40 mile per hour winds. But I, I think the the identity of the Packers has always been get home field advantage. You know the weather's not great. You know it's never going to be great. Um it's probably a different game if they're playing, you know, at at 60 degrees and rain as opposed to the 30 degrees and rain. I I do think it would be a different game where 
we probably would have beaten them by a, a larger margin. Yeah. Um, but I, I just think the way this team has been playing, as time goes on, that's been that's been less and less a part of our identity. As we see guys like Jordy Nelson and Clay Matthews fade out of the of of the, of the team overall, I think that the guys that we have now are a lot of times it's a lot younger than we've been. Uh, we've got a lot of undrafted guys playing. We've got a lot of you know late draft picks and things like that. So it's harder to get acclimated. These younger guys that haven't played for a long time and they're still trying to learn the NFL and all different things. So I think just as we got younger as a team, we've gotten less and less in, where, to the point where we can embrace the elements. And I feel like Aaron Rodgers, Mason Crosby are, are some of the only guys really left that have learned to just embrace it and, and have learned to get accustomed to it. Uh, and, and that comes with being here for a long time. And we just don't have that many guys that have been in Green Bay for a long time to, to experience it. Yeah, I think... I think you put Devontae there too, of guys who know what it's like. Yeah, Devontae definitely. Yeah, you know, playing mm-hmm. at Lambeau Field is, it's it's not fun, but it's it's one of the biggest home field advantages in the league for a reason. It's gonna be nasty weather, but usually that's cold and maybe snowy. Usually it's just cold, like freezing cold to the point you can't feel anything. This was rainy and windy, and I think playing in the rain is it's it's something else. That's not really. Maybe for Seattle, I guess they're the best rainy weather team. They play in a lot of those games, but I don't think that's. I think the rain, for the most part, does even the two teams up when you get a sloppy field and it's wet everywhere. But uh, I don't yeah, know. that's probably fair to say. That's probably fair to say. But I, I still would like to see, uh, especially against a team like that. That's you know now they're oh, one yeah. and eight. I still think that you'd like to see us come out and even yeah. Let's it's raining and it's windy. But I still think we should come out and beat that team. If we come out and maybe not play great, but we win by 25 or 30, uh, you know, I'm not going to be talking about this as much. But I just think we shouldn't be – the gap shouldn't be closed as much as it was. Um, I think the turnovers, you know, whether they had to do with the, you know, the wetness of the ball or whatever the case is, obviously with Devontae on that fumble, the ball popped out. Rodgers' interception was more schematic than anything else, just kind of an error on his part. Um, but you know, I do think the game probably changes if the weather goes, goes away. Um, and I think the rain, we still have to navigate the rain. Both teams have to deal with it. Uh, I don't see why the Jaguars, especially, you know, you talk about them, they're from Florida, they're Jacksonville, obviously. Right. Uh, they shouldn't be able, like you said, even the, maybe it evens the playing field to a certain extent, but I still think Green Bay should have come out and taken advantage considering that's a warm weather team. Uh, it's it's thirty degrees and raining. I I feel like we should go out and take advantage of that. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe that does play. This was your original point, I believe. This maybe that does play into the narrative that the Packers are just soft, you know. And I don't know if I hundred percent believe that, but I can see where people are coming from with that. Where anytime they have to face any kind of adversity, it it doesn't go very well and doesn't look very pretty for the Packers. Yeah, all right. Let's uh let's talk about a little more of the uh the defense maybe a little bit here. Uh I'm you not sure how great. you thought they played. Yeah, I thought I thought they played good considering, you know, all things considered like like we talked about with Jair and Kevin King out. Uh I thought Christian Kirksey played a nice game. He he made a couple nice run stops and it's great to see him in there with Kamal Martin. Obviously, that's the duo we want going forward. And then with Chris Barnes in there, 
you're talking about three guys in the middle that you that you're pretty happy about and excited to have out there. Uh, Barnes obviously was the undrafted free agent that started week one after being cut. Uh, you know, at the end of training camp, and uh, he's been good enough for us, and he's he's looked pretty good at times. Obviously, not as consistent as you'd like, but you don't expect that out of an undrafted free agent. Uh, but then you got the uh, the free agent signing Christian Kirksey, who looked pretty good on Sunday. I, I was pretty pleased with how he played. Um, and then Kamal Martin, obviously fifth round pick. I thought he looked good too. So I'm pretty pleased with what we've got going in the middle. Uh, and like I said, the guys we were missing everything into account. I was pretty happy with how we played. Yeah, I like the duo they put out there on Sunday, Kirksey and Kamal Martin. Kamal Martin, I think, really grow into a real playmaker, playmaker for the Packers. And uh, Kirksey's more of just a, you know, he's a competent guy. You can rely on him. He's going to give up a play here and there. But for the most part, he knows what he's doing. But I'm very excited about Kamal Martin, who I thought looked pretty pretty solid on Sunday. So that linebacking tandem is going to be uh, it's going to be huge moving forward in the season because we know how, how big of a hole it was last season. Yeah, that's that's one way we can improve here. We're looking at you know what how we're going to be a different team than last season, how we're going to improve over the course of this season. This is one way. Uh, having a guy like Kirksey back, plus Kamal Martin, plus Barnes in there, it gives us more depth in the middle than we've had in a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially you know with Blake being gone, it's nice to have just some continuity, um, and I think those three bring that. Uh, so you're looking at what could be. Uh, a competent middle of the field for the Packers that we haven't seen. Um, and that's obviously going to be important to changing what teams may be looking to do against us. Teams don't like to attack the middle of the field because that's where we've been vulnerable for the past two years. Uh, but if we can play at a higher level there, then that starts to disrupt teams' game plans and, and that'll help us win more games. Yeah, and think about the, the doom and gloom we had not too long ago about that position. We were talking about Ty Summers and Oren Burks getting snaps out there. Now we got a solid big three in the linebacking core. Yeah, definitely. And then obviously the depth there. Ty Summers, he's not all terrible of a player either. He's made <laughs> nice plays at times. I mean, he's worn the green dot for us in regular games this season. And now he's our fourth guy there maybe, you know, like and then we've still got Oren Burks who has been playing a little bit outside. He's he can obviously play inside. He did that a little bit last week as well, but I, I don't know. I just feel like that position is a lot deeper than it has been in a while. Um, and I feel pretty good about it. And, you know, obviously that's that's good for when we're going forward here um, against these, you know, teams that probably are going to be able to run the ball. Uh, like we'll see this week, I think this is going to be a good matchup. Uh, obviously, Jonathan Taylor's there. They've got Naheem Hines, Jordan Wilkins. Those are three guys that can run the ball at a pretty good level. Yeah, and uh, moving back to the safeties, I thought we talked about this last week, Darnell Savage playing closer to the line of scrimmage. He was doing that more this week, which I like to see. I like to see Darnell, such a playmaking safety, fast sideline to sideline abilities with him. And then Adrian Amos on the other side, he he had another interception. He's playing pretty solid. So uh, those two are definitely something to be excited about as well. Yeah, you're right. Obviously, I think the one thing that's changed – Mike Pettin did make a couple adjustments this week, and I, I thought I saw both of them being uh, Darnell Savage playing closer to the line of scrimmage after what we saw him do the week prior, almost get an interception, break up a couple passes here and there. I thought he did good this week too, and he played a lot more closer to the ball at times, and obviously that's beneficial to utilizing his skill set. Um, and then Adrian Amos, he was playing a lot deeper than he has been at times, and, and he was able to make some nice plays, including an interception 
that the announcer said he wouldn't have gotten if, uh, you know, if who I don't even know who was uh, trying to receive the ball, but uh, he slipped. But I still think Amos would have made the play. He was right there. The ball was basically thrown right to him. He cut the uh, cut the tight end off, I think it was, and, and made a really nice play. Uh, so I thought both of those guys, uh, obviously we talked about earlier, uh, in, in other episodes that they need to play well for us to be a successful defense. And both of those guys are trending in the right direction as we move into the later weeks of the season. They are. And when you talk about getting uh, Kevin King back and Jair back, that's that's good news for the secondary who haven't who didn't play great early on in the season as a, as a whole unit. But with uh, Smass and Savage playing a little bit better and then Jair we know what he can do and obviously getting Kevin King back is an improvement over Josh Jackson and Kadar Holman so uh that's pretty good and then you throw in Shannon Sullivan too he's been pretty solid all season long yeah you're right I, th- I think uh you know just to talk about how those guys Chandon uh Josh and Kadar played uh without those top two guys I, I felt like Josh had a pretty nice day uh, you know, nothing special, but he's been pretty, pretty good enough. Like he's just, he's done his job for the most part. I think he's been fine in the absence of Kevin King. Uh, and Kevin King, you know, he's not the most consistent player on earth and neither is Josh Jackson. So there wasn't too much of a drop off, if you ask me, uh, from, from Kevin to Josh. Uh, so it's nice to have him as another guy that you could plug in there to, uh, to cover guys who has had some decent run this season on the outside. And then Shannon Sullivan, obviously playing in the slot, he's moved to outside last week for uh, you know, with the with the loss of Jair, and he did a pretty fine job too. Kadar, he had a couple nice plays. Kadar looked pretty good. Uh, he he had a couple breakups. I, I was pretty impressed with him too. So I just like the depth at that position as well. Um, and notice a common theme here: we've got guys at the top on defense who can play at an elite level, and when they're not out, we've got pretty decent depth too that we can plug in and not be too concerned about. Uh, so that's the pretty much the the formula for having an elite team, a playoff team, a Super Bowl team. So I, I think we've got the the recipe there, and, and it's time to kind of put it all together. And I think we've got a good chance to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And Kadar Holman's a guy who's had two really nice training camps, and it's it's nice to see him become a nice depth piece for the Packers. And I think the only real Achilles heel of this defense is going to be Mike Patton moving forward. But uh, moving up to the defensive front. Kenny Clark, I thought, played his best game of the season. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. He, he was really strong. He was in the backfield making plays, looked like he did last year. We haven't seen a lot of that. Granted, he's been injured, but uh, he, he played really strong on Sunday. So did both the Smith brothers, I thought. I thought they maybe a little bit of a return to form there against a bad definitely, offense, yeah. granted. But you like to see it. I, right, yeah. I, I saw Preston make a couple nice plays. Um, obviously he had, uh, a nice, a nice sack at one point, uh, late in the game. Uh, the thing with this defense was it came up big when it mattered two sacks in a row on third and fourth down to end the game when the Packers were up by four. And, uh, that's what we were doing all last year. Like we talked about, it was the defense coming up and making big plays at the end of the game, uh, to kind of save the offense a little bit. And we saw that this week pretty much uh, from the beginning to the end of the game where Adrian Amos got that interception. And then obviously Preston Smith got a sack and then Rashawn Gary got a sack on the next play to end the game. Pretty impressive stuff. Uh, so for that pass rush to come up with, with big plays, especially at the end of the game, that felt good. It, it You'd like to see the defense get back to where it was last year 
uh, and the offense continue to do what it's doing this year. And that's where you come in and say, our defense is playing well, our offense is playing well, and we can beat anybody in the in the National Football League. All right, let's dig into this huge game on Sunday. I believe it's America's Game of the Week with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Packers at Colts, going to be a good one, hopefully. Uh, like we said, very physical Colts defense, very good offense, to say the least, with Phillip Rivers at quarterback, the ageless wonder. What are your thoughts going into this game, bro? Yeah, I mean, it for me, it starts with um, what we can do on offense versus that great defense. Uh, because if you're looking at the matchup perspective, our offense is elite, their defense is elite. Our defense is probably middle of the road, and, and their offense is probably middle of the road. Uh, so it's going to come down to who wins on offense and in our offense versus their defense matchup. Um, and, and that's probably what I'm looking at uh, going into this game as the, as the key factor. Yeah, well said. I think uh, this this offense is really in for another test going to Indianapolis on the road. Great defense. Last time we saw them play a defense this good, they got punched in the mouth. Punched in the mouth. They lost by 28 points. And the last time we saw them play a good defense before that, they got punched in the mouth in the NFC Championship game. So, I really don't know what to expect out of this game. If we could see a highly efficient Packers offense with the addition of Alan Lazard coming back, or we could see another blowout. Uh, I'm hoping for a very good game. Hopefully, uh, the offense continues to play at a high level. And I, th- I think, honestly, I think they can do it. I think Alan Lazard coming back is a bigger factor than a lot of people would expect. Just being another guy who Rodgers can throw to, being another guy who can move the sticks, he can catch those intermediate passes. You know, MBS, he's a great deep threat, like I said, but can't really rely on him to be the 10 catches a game guy, like you said, Ron. So uh, I think I think the Packers offense will continue to be efficient at the very least this Sunday. This definitely could be one of those games that if things go awry quickly, uh, we could see it become a blowout and, and the Colts could pounce. Uh, but I do like our chances. I really do. Uh, I think that the idea that our players are going to be fully healthy is, is important uh, to our potential success in this game. And just overall, our offense has a good shot. I really think that against this good defense, uh, we'll be able to do some things that they haven't seen yet. They haven't faced a great quarterback yet. Uh, they haven't faced a quarterback with a passer rating over 100 yet this season. Are you serious? Um, it's true. Uh, Lamar Jackson doesn't have that. Lamar Jackson's probably the best quarterback they've faced, and Ryan Tannehill as well. Those yeah. two guys, the, neither of them have passer ratings over 100 at this point. Um, so when you're looking at that, uh, they haven't faced a ton of talent. They faced guys like Gardner Minshew and just other, you know, they haven't faced a ton of good quarterbacks. So I feel like this is going to be a rude awakening for them. I really do. Uh, not to mention Xavier Rhodes is who. Devontae Adams will be going up against in all likelihood for a mm-hmm. large majority of the game. Devontae know, knows him more than anybody. That Yeah, we do. We really do. And it's it's getting to the point where it's not a rivalry anymore. It's just like a <laughs> – it's just a beating. It's just a beating by Devontae. Devontae just goes and just dominates him every single time they match up. But, you know, the continuity there is a thing that, you know, Xavier Rhodes does help them with. He knows – what Devontae does well, obviously, because Devontae's torn him up for the past four years. So I just, I think that's going to be something where maybe he gives them advice about game planning and things like that. Uh, but other than that, I feel like this is a good matchup for us because we can take advantage of some of the things that they really, the the Colts defense hasn't been that much tested yet. They just haven't, 
faced a quarterback or a wide receiver uh, or a running game like that potentially that we have or even an offensive line that we have. Uh, so I feel good. I don't know. I feel pretty good. Yeah, that's where I'm leaning too. I think I, I, I didn't. I knew the Colts defense had an easy schedule early on in the season. I didn't know it, it's been that easy. That's insane that they they really haven't really played anyone. Yeah, that's a that's a striking stat. You know, when you read about that, when you hear that, you start to think, well, how great is this defense? Yeah. Uh, you know, but at the same time, we haven't played anybody spectacular on defense yet as well and maybe this is the toughest test so in the same way uh you know we have to account for that as well and i think i still think we have the advantage here because we really bring out the the litany of playmakers that they haven't seen as opposed to you know our offense versus another defense we face defenses with elite playmakers uh harrison smith comes to mind eric kendricks on the vikings uh players like devin white for the buccaneers uh, you know, you can go down the line of, of good players. Fred Warner is another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do – J.J. Watt. You can name a bunch of guys that we've played where the playmakers are there and we're still able to overcome it or we're able to have success. Uh, but in this case, the Colts, they haven't overcome anybody to the to the level of Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, our offensive line, et cetera. So I feel like we're in a pretty good spot to kind of shock them a little bit with what we're able to do and maybe they won't be able to keep up with us. Yeah, hopefully that's the case. But going to the defensive side of the ball, I think that's really where the Packers could lose this game. Uh, going back to last year, Phillip Rivers, while he was still a charger, played very well against Mike Patton's defense, uh, something that was unexpected at the time. And we could see that happen again. And the ground game is really the thing that has to scare you as a Packer fan. It has to scare you every week that there's a chance this team will just run it down your throat and – you know, 30 carries for the running back and three touchdowns as the Packers are always capable of giving up on the ground. And so it's really a game flow game. This game, it feels like if we if we go down early, there's probably a low chance we're going to come out of that hole. So it's going to be important to score often and score early, especially. Certainly, this could be one of those games where we have to get to a hot start early on offense, put points on the board, and then make the, the Colts throw it as opposed to running it and get to a point where we're in a good spot for the rest of the game. It's really about how you start, and it's about how you finish. Um, and it's just about making the right plays and limiting the bad ones. Uh, so we're going to have to limit turnovers. We can't do that this game. We can't have the turnovers that we had last game or in other games prior. But I, I'm confident that we're going to be able to do that. Uh, and we're going to have to try to create a turnover or two. That's what separates you know, the good teams. Uh, creating a turnover winning the turnover battle, the time of possession, uh, all those things is what's going to separate teams, especially to the level of, you know, the Packers and Colts who are two elite teams in this, in this league. Uh, but obviously in the end, what separates teams is points. And I think the Packers have a good shot to score more than, than the Indianapolis Colts do. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I think the, the game plan for the defense coming in has to be that they want to make old man Phillip put the game on his back and, try and come back from a maybe double-digit deficit or just win the game outright in the fourth quarter, maybe. Uh, that's definitely the position they want to be in rather than having to stop them and stop them in order to get the offense the ball back because they they are not very good in that situation. So uh, the off- that really does come down to the offense. The best defense is a good offense, and so the offense is really going to have to come out and play and play well against a very tough defense. Is there anybody on that Colts defense that you're particularly keeping an eye on as a 
as somebody who could maybe wreck the game for us or, or put us in a tough spot that maybe, you know, like I mentioned, we face playmakers, but is there anybody on this Colts defense that could give us trouble that we haven't really seen yet? Oh yeah. DeForest Buckner in the middle. He could totally wreck the game. He's been great this season. And, uh, you know, another one comes to mind, Darius Leonard. He could be really great. The Packers have struggled historically against really good linebackers. So, uh, those are two players who could certainly wreck the game for, uh, the Colts. But, um, you know, they also have Xavier Rhodes as their number one cornerback. So uh, I think worst comes to worst, just throw to Javante on every play. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you mentioned those two guys really are their, their key players on defense, and they both play an elite level. DeForest Buckner was a fantastic pickup for them that really changed what their defense could do in the middle in terms of stopping the run and getting to the quarterback. Um, and then obviously Darius Leonard. He's been really just a solid guy in there for for as many years as he's played, really, since his rookie season. Uh, so they're they're really lucky to have those two guys in there. Uh, but like you said, their secondary is a little bit vulnerable, and, and you're starting to look at what they've got going out there on Sunday. Kenny Moore is one of their top corners, and he was limited in practice. He didn't practice, actually. And, and uh, you know, as the week goes on here, we'll see if he can get on the field in a limited fashion or a full fashion. Uh, but if they're without him that just puts even more pressure on, on that, uh, that pass rush of theirs, which is pretty good. Uh, but it puts even more pressure on that pass rush to kind of disrupt the game to keep Aaron Rodgers from teeing off downfield. Yeah. And the pass rush just in general is something that could really wreck the game. We've seen pa- great pass rushes rattle Aaron Rodgers in the past. So that's something that could really wreck the game for the Packers, but you counter that with quick throws and just playing in rhythm in general as an offense. So if the Packers can stick to the game plan, play in rhythm like we saw in Tampa Bay the last time they got blown out open the first quarter they're playing in rhythm uh not everything was on script but Aaron Rodgers is playing great and we went up 10 nothing everything went poorly as soon as we went down and we had to you know throw the ball downfield a little bit play a little backyard football so if we can just avoid having to do that and just stick to the game plan play in rhythm then uh I think that's when the offense is going to be at its best this Colts defense is is a great run-stopping team, great run-stopping unit, and I think one thing that we're going to have to do in order to win the game is run the ball at a, at a high level, and that's going to be tough. But, you know, with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, I do feel like it could happen. Uh, the last thing we want and the last thing we can do is is have our offense be one-dimensional um, because we saw what, what that does uh, last week against the Jaguars. They really kept it close because we couldn't run the ball and then they know what we're going to do when it's a third and long we're going to have to throw it and then it just wasn't working and even on the third and shorts we were having trouble uh so just putting all that together it's pretty clear that we have to establish the run early and often um in order to make make the defense wary of of that and and be able to throw it downfield use the play action to a high level and uh, keep them guessing. That's the main thing. Matt LaFleur always talks about the illusion of complexity. Well, it, it won't be an illusion when it's third and ten. You know, we're mm-hmm. going to throw it. That's basically it. Regardless of what the what the formation looks like, on second and long, third and long, we have to make the right choices, and we don't want to put ourselves in predictable situations. Uh, and that's where, obviously, situational football comes into play, and, and that's what we've got to capitalize on and have a lot of success with in order to win this football game. Yeah, and that's when the offense is at its best, when the illusion of complexity is working. And getting Alan Lazard back and having MVS be the deep threat guy exclusively 
uh, I think we could see good things. And it could be like it was early on this season where we're running the ball well, we're playing well in the short game, the short passing game, and then we go play action and we can throw a deep bomb or two uh, every game. And that's when Aaron Rodgers is playing at his highest that we've seen this season. That's when the whole offense is putting up 40 points a game and they're all playing great. And I think that's that's something we should get back to. And I think there's a good chance we will get back to that, assuming we're able to stop the Colts defense early at least. Or the Colts offense, excuse me. Yeah, it's about complementary football at that point where you're going to have to you know, just just communicate with each other uh, on both sides of the ball and, and have that same mentality uh, throughout the game and, and just execute the game plan and and have a, a cohesive relationship between all sides of the ball, you know, all three sides of the ball, uh, special teams, defense, and offense, the, the sides of the ball within the offense, you know, running the football, passing the ball, defending the pass, defending the run. Uh, it has to be better, and and I think we can do that if if we just get healthy, like we're like we're hoping that happens on Sunday, uh, and you just put it all together, and and that's how we're gonna have success and win. Yep, and it should be a should be a pretty solid game. It's gonna be important for the Packers standings. Going a little bit big picture here, the Packers are currently seven and two, and the current number one seed in the NFC playoffs. If the NFC playoffs started today, which of course it doesn't, but it's exciting being the number one seed. Uh, best record in the NFC tied with New Orleans who we have the tiebreaker over so it's exciting stuff it definitely is and to you know to know that we've beaten the team behind us is is crucial for what's going to happen long term Uh, and then you know you've got good teams in there obviously the Rams went out and beat the Seahawks last week in a pretty decisive win Uh, Russell Wilson is looking more and more like not the MVP at this point obviously good for Aaron Rodgers chances uh, Tampa Bay, you never know what you're going to get with them. One week they'll put 40 up and the next week they'll score three. You know, it's just, we'll have to see what happens with them. Uh, but they did beat us. So in, in any potential tie situation, if they somehow take advantage of New Orleans not having Drew Brees, uh, and they end up, you know, if we lose a game, they win a game, they've got the advantage. Uh, so there you go there. But uh, obviously, Philadelphia is sitting there at the number four seed. Uh, and you got the three seed, uh, you got the Arizona Cardinals, who had a obviously Hail Mary victory against the Bills, a game that, you know, in any NFC team, you want to see the AFC opponent beat the NFC team. And uh, that didn't happen as the Bills were not able to defeat the Cardinals. But the playoff picture is interesting because no Bears in there, no Vikings in there as of now. The Bears are probably done. We get to play them twice. Uh, Vikings, they could go on a couple winning streaks here and be in the wild card conversation. So there's still stuff to play for. Packers have to go and get that one seed if they really want to have a good chance because there's only num- there's only one buy, uh, and the Packers have a really good shot to get it. So Griff, just tell me what you think of the the overall playoff picture and and what you see moving forward. Yeah, it's tough to find one really great. I, I said this last week. There's really no obvious great team in the NFC, and we're continuing to see the Seahawks' downfall, where Russell cannot stop turning the ball over. Uh, record-wise, the second-best team would be the, or the tied-for-best team, I guess, would be the New Orleans Saints. But, you know, take out the Bucks game. They haven't really looked like an elite team this season. They've looked okay. Even last week against Nick Mullins, a team we destroyed, we blew out. Uh, they didn't play their best football against Drew Brees, even when he was in the game, didn't play very well. So it's really tough to find any any real threat to the Packers for the, for the number one seed in the NFC playoffs. You know, it... If I had to pick one team right now, I would say the Seattle Seahawks, just assuming that Russell comes out of this slump and they have the playmakers to do that, help him do that. 
So uh, I, I still think that the Seahawks would be my best fear, but their defense is just so bad. It's so bad. Uh, the Cardinals, a lot of people are high on the Cardinals right now, but I don't know. Kyler, he's electric on the ground. He's a great runner, but I don't know if he's there as a passer. And then the Rams, you know, you never know what you're getting out of the Rams. They've beaten all four NFC East teams. Uh, there's the beating the Seahawks was probably their best win of the season. You don't know what you're getting out of them. And, you know, you can say the same things about the Packers. So it's anyone's game at this point. The thing that separates Green Bay for me is the fact that we have an easier schedule as we go down the line here. After this Colts game, it gets a lot easier. We play teams like Carolina, the Bears twice we still have to play. Um, and then the toughest game at that point will be the Titans uh, to in Week 16. But other than that, you know, we we really are in a good spot. While these other teams like the Rams and Cardinals and Seahawks will be beating each other up, uh, you know, the Falcons still have to be uh, accounted for by the Saints. And, you know, they can come out and beat anyone because they've got so much offensive weapons. Uh, but for me, the Seahawks, I just think their defense isn't good enough. And we've we've beaten them when we are – we were a worse team last year than we are this year. Um, just overall, and, and we beat them in the playoffs. So I feel like I, I wouldn't mind playing them as much as maybe Tampa Bay, who I do think we could beat uh, when Rodgers doesn't throw those two picks. But still, the, you know, they're, they're a team predicated on defense, and now they've got a lot of offensive weapons, so that'd probably be a bit of a tougher matchup. New Orleans we've beaten, um, but they, they, seem to, they seem to be putting it together a little bit here. We'll have to see if they can do that without Drew Brees and see if they can sustain that on defense as well. Um, but, you know, Seattle's not even in the picture right now. Things that, that, that'll probably change here, but um, it's just a lot of moving parts here. And like you said, really anybody can win it, but I do feel like Green Bay has the best chance to come out and get the number one seed uh, just based on who we're playing and who every, every other team is playing. Yeah, I would agree with you. I would agree with you on that. And it's going to be fun moving down the line as we get further into the second half of the season. Uh, it's going to be fun, but it all starts this Sunday. Packers-Colts. It's a gotta-have-a-game for the narrative of the Packers for record-wise in a very tight NFC like we just talked about. It's going to be a very important game, and I'm very excited to watch. But that's going to do it for the Today in Town Packers podcast. We'd like to thank you all for listening. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we're probably there. So uh, make sure to subscribe on all platforms, and uh, we appreciate you for listening. Go Pack Go. Thanks, everybody. Go Pack Go.